Welcome to a brand new episode of Beauty Unlocked, the podcast. If you're new to Beauty Unlocked, I'm Carissa, host of this circus. Welcome, friends. If you've been a long-time listener, you know all about the shenanigans and utter fuckery that is Beauty Unlocked. <laughs> Are you ready? Welcome, and as we say in Greek, Kalomina, my sugar babies. It's the 1st of July, I can't believe it, and it's been damn hot here in Cyprus, let me tell you, let me tell you, you gots to check on your big titty friends because we are not well in this heat. But all jokes aside, I know that there's been a heat wave in many parts um, of the world, so remember to try to stay cool, try not to do too much movement, stay hydrated, and we're going to get through this. And to anyone who believes that climate change is not a thing, you can switch this podcast right off because we ain't here for your shenanigans and fuckery. Climate change is real, my friends. Climate change is real. So as I mentioned, it's hotter than Satan's cooch here in Cyprus. (laughs) So in true Mediterranean fashion, things have slowed down a bit, especially on Beauty Unlocked because trying to survive this heat. And as they say in Spain, manana, and in Italy, domani, and in Greece, avrio. So sorry for that French accent that came out right there. Um, (laughs) Everything is kind of left for tomorrow. Everything's going to be done tomorrow and the next day and the next day. So this is a bit of an apology because I did not record a new episode this week. I know, shame on me. Let me spank my hand. But what I have done is that I've taken my guest appearance on Better Self and Net Worth podcast hosted by Ella and made it into a two-parter. As the episode runs for about one and a half hours, that's why I've decided to break it down into a two-parter. And it's an episode you definitely don't want to miss out on because Ella and I discuss Of course, the beauty industry, obviously, hello. Uh, We also discuss our journey to self-love and acceptance and so much more. So I decided to share this episode with you um, in case you didn't have a chance to listen to it um, before. I did post it on uh, Beauty Unlocked's YouTube channel, but I'll be releasing, here we go, releasing? No, (laughs) releasing it uh, on Beauty Unlocked uh, so you can listen to it. I hope you do enjoy this this episode. It's quite insightful. You get to have like a bit more of a sneak peek into our lives. Um, Ella is a great host. It was a pleasure to, you know, be on her podcast uh, for better self and net worth. You should definitely check her podcast out. Um, I will, as always, put her handles so that you can check out where you can listen to her Um, podcast and also follow her via Instagram. Amazing person, great energy, and just a wonderful, wonderful host. And before we dive straight into the episode, remember to check us out and follow us via Instagram, beauty underscore unlocked underscore podcast. We also have a Facebook page, Beauty Unlock the Podcast, and on YouTube, Beauty Unlock the Podcast. We release um, the the episodes on YouTube as well. Uh, If you're wondering where episode 48 is, (laughs) it's in my memory banks. (laughs) 
<laughs> I will uh, release it on uh, YouTube eventually. <laughs> like I said, everything's going to be done tomorrow. Hello. And you can always send us your suggestions. And by us, it's me, myself, and I. You can always uh, send episode suggestions to us via email or Gmail, I should say, beautyunlockedpodcast at gmail.com. I would love to hear from you and give me any ideas of what you would like for me to cover on the show. With all that being said, I hope you enjoy this two-part episode. Uh, next, The second part will be released next Friday, so enjoy it. And I hope you all have a beautiful and safe weekend. Remember to stay hydrated, and you will hear from me very, very soon. Welcome back to For Better Self and Net Worth. I'm so excited today to have my guest, Carissa. Carissa is the host of Beauty Unlocked podcast. And as I was telling her before we recorded, I absolutely love this show. This show features a lot of discussion around our society's unrealistic standards of beauty and for self-improvement on this podcast and for budgeting so much, you're, it's very likely that we're spending a lot of money on how we look. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yes. We're spending a lot of money on makeup, we're even getting surgery or we're considering it. And one of the things about better self, putting on your best self out there mm-hmm. is you do have to love the way you look. Yes. But our society is making it harder and harder mm-hmm, with mm-hmm. the unrealistic standards. So Carissa, if you want to give us a background on yourself about your podcast, what was your inspiration behind starting your podcast? and where you can find Beauty Unlocked. All right, sure, thanks. Well, thank you so much for having me. Um, So I'm Carissa, I'm the host, content creator, and just producer of Beauty Unlocked, an indie podcast. So um, Beauty Unlocked, it started with, God, it started years ago, actually. Um, Not the podcast, the podcast is about a year and four months old. But the idea behind Beauty Unlocked started years ago, like I think four years ago. Um, But basically growing up, um, people always referenced or made references about my weight, about my appearance, Um, were very critical, were kind of very judgmental about it. And so I grew up feeling that my self-worth was tied to what I looked like. Mm -hmm. And as a child, you don't understand why people have to make those kind of comments. Even, even your family members, my family members were making yeah. these kind of comments. And so for me, it was just like, I always had, I was self-conscious about the way I looked, my weight and everything. And that started, unfortunately, in my twenties, I developed an eating disorder, um, binge eating disorder and bulimia. And uh, basically I lost a lot of weight And people started complimenting me. And what it did was feed my demons. And so I continued to, you know, I continued this because people are like, oh, they're telling me that I'm looking great, which means, you know, and because I was losing and losing more weight, they were saying I looked great. And I was like, okay, well, at least I'm not getting negative comments about it. And so it fueled that, that demon or those demons, you know, and, and everything. And so at a certain point, years later in my thirties, I'm like, I can't be the only one that this is happening to, that this kind of pressure is put on us to look a certain way or even to behave a certain way. I just, and so I started doing research and I was like, I'm not the only one. And so I started Beauty Unlocked and through Beauty Unlocked, I've come across a lot of other social media platforms that are like-minded 
and, you know, are all about body acceptance or body positivity or body neutral, whatever it is that everybody practices, but in the sense of that we're celebrating our differences and we are sick and tired of this society, society's ideal of the perfect body. It's just like, we are all different. We are not a size zero. And I just, I came across so many platforms and I'm like, this is so refreshing. I wish I had this in my teens and twenties, but social media didn't really exist in our twenties, did it? I mean, it wasn't, oh, it wasn't well, I mean, it wasn't like now my space. Okay. Fair enough. But I mean, it wasn't like it is now. No, so it's yeah. So that's, 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 that's how beauty unlocked started. I was like, I, I gotta, I have to like bring a, attention to this because I'm not the only one who's feeling like this. I'm not the only one who struggled a lifetime with this, you know? And so that's how Beauty Unlocked started. Well, awesome. And I know here growing up in the South, it was always about how you looked. It was always about if you had a boyfriend or not. Ah, yes. People ask more about your dating life than they do your actual accomplishments. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. I think it's, it's, it's very similar because I've, um, my mother was from the Caribbean and my father is from the Mediterranean and it's very similar to the culture. They don't care about your accomplishments. They care about number one, appearances and number yeah. two, um, yeah. Are you married? Do you have children? Do you have a boyfriend? They don't, they don't care about anything else. Yes. Yeah. And all the other things, I mean, they look down upon, they're like, oh, you're still, you're still teaching dance or you're still doing this. Oh, that's cool. But they're not. Or, you know, you got a podcast. Oh, that sounds fun. But they're like, okay, are you dating anybody? And I'm like, I mean, look at my schedule. Look at all that I've accomplished. And even that, I remember. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, no. And I remember in college, and I'm in a similar situation. I lost a lot of weight. Mm -hmm. Unexplained. I mean, I just... I just lost a lot of weight. I still ate what I wanted. I did a lot of walking around campus. So that probably mm-hmm. is what I lost, what brought the pounds down. And I remember a lot of people complimenting it. Yeah. Yeah. Like how skinny I looked. And basically it was all about looks. I remember going through sorority recruitment. When we had recruitment, everybody had to go to a tanning bed. And I don't believe oh. in tanning beds because. Oh, wow. I, yeah. Because of skin cancer. And I don't tan. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I go straight from white to tomato. (laughs) Okay. All right. Yeah. Oh God. I remember when tanning beds were all the rage though. Oh my goodness. I remember that was a huge thing. Like back in, Oh, I remember even my Greek friend, she was upset. She's like, let's go. Cause we were living in Geneva at the time where the sun Mm -hmm. is non-existent practically. I mean, it's there, but you know, and she was like, let's go tanning. Cause we were so used to having a tan from the sun and here we are like not tanned. And so we used to go to tan and they used to have tanning salons everywhere. I remember. Yeah, no, 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 yeah. no. I went once out of peer pressure and I literally felt like I was in a light up coffin. That's what it feels like. It's creepy. It is. It <laughs> is. Glasses. And I was just afraid somebody was going to break in and come in there on me. It's yeah. true. No, it's it. And it makes you kind of feel so claustrophobic also. I mean, I know you can open it at any time, but it's like, literally, like you said, it's like a coffin with these yeah. lights in it. And you're like, oh my God, what's, you know, yeah, this is, oh no, 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 no. <laughs> and it could be that marketing tactic I talked about in college. I studied marketing and they talked about how some companies will have subliminal death wishes. 
So in a glass of wine, they'll put like a skull in it, a subliminal skull, smoking. It kind of caters to that edginess. So I'm wondering if the yes. tanning bed companies came up with that concept. It's like, oh, you want to get skin cancer? We're going to give you an invitation. Here, here you go. Here's a box. Lie in it. <laughs> like, you're like, what the hell? But then at this, at a certain point, tanning beds, they, they started like kind of declining in popularity. And then it was the spray tan. Yeah. If you remember like the whole spray tanning thing and you're like, oh, okay. I Look, mean. Streaky, orange, smelly. Yes. And I have heard that there's chemicals in the spray tans and I haven't done enough research on this. They are chemicals that cause, they're basically carcinogens. Yeah, I wouldn't be surprised. I, I, I don't know exactly what's in them, but I wouldn't be surprised that they do have uh, oh, uh, cancer, in, cancer enhancing. I don't know if that's the right word, but I mean, yeah. ingredients within them, because I don't know. I mean, I understand that it's important to a certain a, a extent to get your vitamin D, obviously, because yeah. there are many people who, who are vitamin D deficient. My sister is one of them. She lives in Virginia. And uh, her doctor's like, you're vitamin D deficient. You got to, you got to take pills and stuff like that. And here I am living in Cyprus and I'm running away from the sun because my dermatologist was like, you will not go into the sun between 11 and six, you know? And I'm just like, what do you want me to do if I do have to run errands? And he's like, you're going to wear long sleeves. And I'm like, it gets up, it gets to a hundred degrees. Are you serious? Long like, no. No. <laughs> no. I mean, there, there are ways to put UV protection in your car windows, wear sunglasses, wear a hat. Yeah. Yeah. But yeah. And that's the thing. I love being in the sun. I love being on the water. Yeah. So I'll, you know, I'll burn a little bit, but I, I wear sun protection to where I don't burn. I got burned last week and it's not too bad. It's still peeling. Okay. Oh, but the, wor the worst areas are behind like the knee. Like if you get burnt behind the knee, it happened to me years ago. And I was like, I'm going to die. Like it was so painful. Ouch. It was so painful. And I remember my back also, I stayed too long on my stomach basically. And just like my whole back got burnt. And I remember it was so painful to sleep for like two, three days. I couldn't even walk properly from like the burn I got. Yeah. And it, it takes energy out of you when you get sunburned. Yeah, it does. Cause you feel extremely tired. That's why I let, that's why in, in the South or even in Mediterranean countries or even Caribbean countries, it's like people have, to, it, it's a slower pace of life in a way, because the sun does take a lot out of you. Like when it gets to that point of like a hundred degrees and over, you're just like, no, no, I need siesta. I need a nap. You know, <laughs> I can't see <laughs> like everything is going to have to slow down. Everybody can just wait because this is not happening right now. Yeah. But, yeah. Yeah. Well, let's talk about the good, bad, and ugly of the beauty industry and what marketing tactics that you think companies use to keep women insecure so they can continue to profit. Um, I think when, it, you know, I think with the beauty industry, especially the good, the good, I'm not, I'm not too sure if there's really any kind of good, yeah. but I would say that if the consumer starts making their own products, you know, in the sense of where you, you to cater to the rest of the world, basically, such as like, I don't know, Rihanna's line where she started a, a whole line um, of cosmetics and everything. I believe it's, it's Riri. Um, yeah. But anyway, like, I believe that once the consumer turns into, you know, becomes part of the beauty industry, that's where 
it's the good part of it, you know, because it caters to everyone's needs in a way. Um, but the bad and the ugly, I did an episode about marketing. I did a bit of the history of marketing in one of the episodes of beauty unlocked where, um, we took the example of the tobacco industry and how it lured women because before women smoking was a big no, no, you wouldn't do it. And then, you know, it was something that was just against, I mean, it was just something that you wouldn't see a woman smoking, especially in the beginning of the 20th century. But then because they noticed that the woman's population is is pretty big and everything, they're like, well, this is an untapped market. Let's get women to smoke. It shows that they're being liberated, that they're going against societal norms, that they're free, that they're able to buy their cigarettes. And they kind of started feeding that idea. So you would start seeing women smoking more and more because it changed. You know, they wanted to tap into this market. Um, And so they started selling the good of smoking there isn't obviously but in the sense of they were saying listen you're a free woman you can do whatever you want you can smoke you know like there's no shame in smoking and they really tapped into it like yes I am a free woman and I do have like my own economic means to buy cigarettes and you know especially during wartime and everything when men would go off to war and the women would be the ones kind of staying and taking over those factory positions and everything women started going into the workforce more and more. And so listen, to get, to get them to spend, you, you've got to say, well, you look classy, you look sexy, you're free, you can do what you want. You don't need a man to buy your cigarettes and you don't need a man to tell you that you can't smoke, you can just smoke. And that's how it started tapping. So in a way they're saying, they're feeding into that feminist ideal of I am a free woman, I can do whatever the hell I want, but they use it against us because they're giving us cancer. I mean, <laughs> hello. Yeah. You know what I mean? So they kind of used it in, a, in that marketing tactic. And I do believe that the beauty industry does continue to do, do so. You want to have the soft, silky, shiny hair? Buy our product. Do you want to have dry, brittle hair? You don't want to have dry, brittle hair. Oh, heaven you know. forbid. Yeah. So you don't want to have split ends. <laughs> so I do. I mean, they, I mean, seriously, they'll, 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 any way, in every way that they can, they kind of um, make us focus on, are flaws, but these flaws are the ones that they make us believe that they're flaws. Stretch marks, you have stretch marks, use our cream to get rid of stretch marks. You have cellulite, use this cream, you know, for your cellulite. And you're just like, wait a second, how much am I spending at the end, by the end of the year? And this is where you you come in, you know, on your podcast and everything. It's by the end of the year, the amount of money we spend on such products, but they don't even work. Absolutely. You know, and, and so they've tapped into these insecurities. Oh my God, I have, I have orange peel. Okay. So you have orange peel. Do you know what I mean? Like you can't, okay. That's genetic. Sometimes, you know, it depends on your lifestyle. It depends if you're a smoker, it depends on your genes. There's just so much that goes into it. It's not just, you you can be a size zero and have cellulite. Exactly. Genetic. It's genetic. You know, at the end of the day, it's something that happens. Sometimes some people won't have it. Some people will have it from an early age. It doesn't matter whether you, you, you've gained weight or whatnot, you know, you can still get cellulite. The same thing with stretch marks. There's just so many things, but yet they tap into it and say, this is ugly. You need to get rid of it. Whereas before we didn't even think that it was ugly, let's say, no, you know, and when you look at the paintings of the masters, and I'm talking about five, six, seven hundred years ago, I'm sorry to say all these women were voluptuous, were, you know, they had a certain body type. Yeah. And you would see the cellulite, you would see the dimpled skin, 
and that was considered beautiful. And it goes to show you how times have changed and they flipped it around and they're like, that's not, that's not good looking to have cellulite. That's not. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I was growing up, I was always insecure about being a smaller cup size. I was a B I'm like a D now, but I was always insecure about that. People talked about, Hey, you got to get boobs. You got to get the, but I don't want somebody cutting around there. Yeah. I don't, you know, I'm not going to have a surgery. I don't need, but you look at paintings, all those women in the older paintings had smaller breasts. Yes. Yes. Yes, they did. (laughs) Absolutely. Absolutely. So it goes to show, because again, it's the, depending on the culture also, but it it goes to show you how society has changed back in those days, five, six, 700 years ago. If you had, if you had more weight on you, it showed that number one, you were prosperous. You had money because you had money to eat. You know, they saw it also from the fertility point of view that that means that you're fertile, you can have children, which, you know, that was, that's what we were basically, you know, that's your whole purpose in life as a woman is to have children, apparently, but that's how they saw it six, 700, a thousand years ago, you know, Um, you know, and yeah. And so that's how they saw it. If you were skinny, dare I say, then you wouldn't be able to have children, which is a total lie, but in the sense of that's how the mentality was, right? So it's just one of these things where, I mean, times change, times change. Yeah, and I've had people comment on, so I've got like a curvier waist, Mm -hmm. like, oh, you have childbearing hips. Oh, yes. (laughs) So you're gonna ask me, and people asking me if I plan to have kids and like, do you want me to ask you about your sex life? About your- <laughs> this is our whole point. That's the yeah. thing. You know, this is our point. And your whole purpose basically is to have kids. It doesn't matter if you graduated from university with top honors. It doesn't matter what you were, what you're doing in business, or if you have a podcast or whatever you're doing, it's, you know, you're as, as a woman, what you're expected is to want to be in a relationship and have kids immediately. And yes. just, that's what your life should be that. And I'm not saying, listen, it's like, as if I'm anti this, whatever you want to do, if you want to have kids, you want to have kids. If you don't want to have kids, don't have kids. It's your choice. And when people ask me this, do you have children? It's like, no, are you going to be paying for my children? Do you know what I mean? Because it's like, are you the one who's budgeting my life? Did you ask if I can afford children at this point? Yeah. Do you know how much stress levels are? Yeah. I mean, what I have on my plate currently. Yeah. Do you think that that's the first thing in my, on my mind right now is, oh, I should have kids. I should have three, four kids by now. I, can, I mean, come on now. I'm telling you, I'm telling you. Yeah. <laughs> and, and that's something, I mean, we may have come a long way. I've been watching the show Mad Men, where they show women, the glamorous women, the stay-at-home yes. women, rich husbands, they smoke. They drank a lot. Yeah. They, stayed <laughs> they drank at work. Yeah. They drink at work. And that is the thing. They hang out with other parents with kids. There was the first season where one of the women was divorced. Heaven forbid. Oh, wow. Yeah. The Back woman in those who was divorced days. seemed happier than they did. Yeah. 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 She was living her own life. Exactly. Exactly. But that's the thing. It was like, as a woman, especially then, and we're talking about man, men is based in the sixties, sixties going on to the seventies and stuff. But as a woman back then, yes, there was the whole feminist movement. Well, the feminist movement started years before that, but in the sense of it was like, it was still society said, you are a woman, you need to stay at home and raise, have children 
and stay and raise them. That's your sole purpose. And the man is going to go to work and hang out with his buddy friends, you know, drinking it up and smoking it up. And it's just like, wait, what? (laughs) But it goes to show you how sex is like when you want, I loved man, men, but like you see how the advertising world was so sexist and so misogynistic. And you're like, oh my goodness. Like what is happening in this? Like, what is this? Yeah. I worked for a small ad agency right out of college. And I remember we ran a contest and one of that contest is winning a car. And they said, oh, the Dodge Challenger is the number one car driven by black people. Okay. Like they wanted wow. the, but the contest had to cater to a certain demographic. And I remember thinking, is this, is, is this how I'm supposed to think? Yeah. To know my demographic yeah. and no marketing. Yeah. It's, it's the, it's, 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 it's the stereotypes that are ingrained that they ingrain in us, by the way, they ingrain these stereotypes into our minds. And it's just like, I didn't even know that. Like what you just told me, I'm like, really, is it okay? And those are discussions that people are having. Yeah. Wow. I'm telling you, (laughs) when you look, when you look at these ads, even from 30 years ago, you're like, this is not appropriate. (laughs) Do you know what I mean? Like some of them are, and you're just like, oh my goodness. Like even for ads, like for Hoover, you know, like the um, vacuum cleaners and everything. And it's like showing this woman so happy to vacuum. And I'm like, are you honestly that happy to have an electrical? I mean, yes, it helps obviously, but in the sense of get her a Hoover and she'll be like the hap, she'll, you know, wrap her arms around you and be the happiest housewife or whatever you know, because you got her a Hoover. If somebody brought me a Hoover, not that I'm saying I don't need a Hoover, it would be an awesome gift, but I would be like, what are you saying to me exactly? Like, what is this? Like, that's, what are you trying to to tell me exactly? That my whole, my sole purpose is to be cleaning this house? Yeah. Are you going to pay a housemaid to use that for me? Yeah, exactly. I'm just like, I'm telling you, no, I can't, I can't. Uh, it's eye-opening like this, everything with advertising and marketing, it's really like eye-opening how they really just, they still have the sexist, they just, there's still the stereotypes, there's still misogyny in some of them, there's still sexism, there's still racism in a lot of like ads and yeah. stuff like that, where you're like, wow, wow. It's, it's not as blunt in your face as it was, let's say 40, 50, 60 years ago, but it's still in there somehow. And you're just like, what is happening? They are preying off insecurities of other people. Yeah, yeah, yeah. By the product. If people were truly happy with themselves, they wouldn't need to buy a bunch of stuff they don't need. Exactly. They create these wants in us. Yes. What we need in life is pretty basic. We need water. We need air, oxygen. Like we need, these are the things we really need. We need food, fair enough. But in the sense of all the extras is wants and they create those wants. And it's just like, why am I spending over, I don't know, 10,000 per year on things I don't need, you know? Yeah. On anti-aging products, on even supplements. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Oh, the, the health and, and, and wellness industry is booming. Absolutely booming. Yeah. Protein if, shakes, protein bars, protein, this protein, that, and you're just like, Oh my goodness. Okay. I'll just have some almonds. Thank you. And That's even then, protein. 
listen, even then with like that, that whole health and, and wellness industry and the nutrition, I mean, we have that too, is the whole thing of these are superfoods and you need to spend X amount of money on superfoods, or you, you shouldn't eat anything that's red because it's bad for you. You should only be eating things that are green. And I'm like, wait, what? <laughs> and people just like eat this stuff up. They believe in it. And I'm like, food is food. Okay. Like, can we not, can we not say superfood? Can we not use the good and the bad? It's just food. Yeah. I feel like that's why produce sometimes costs more than regular snacks was because they know people will pay more for it. Yes. Yes. And heaven forbid somebody grow their own lettuce and vegetables and probably healthier than what they buy at the supermarket pre-pesticides because yeah. now there's, you can take your greens in, what was this stuff? It's like super greens where you mix it up with your drink and you drink your greens. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah. The healthy five or something like that. Yes. Yeah. Yes where it has like broccoli and stuff like that. Basically, yeah, it's, um, I don't know. And it also caters to only one, a certain percentage of the population because not everybody can afford buying that. So basically you're already being, dis- you're, you're, dis- you're being dis- discriminatory <laughs> um, in the sense of you're putting it in this thing of only a certain amount of people can, can buy quinoa, for example, or I don't know, kale, for example, and these yeah. kind of things. And so you're basically saying that the rest of the people who buy, I don't know, whatever, they're maybe in the, in the lower economic standpoint, and you're saying that they're li- living an unhealthy lifestyle. This is what they can afford that they're buying. Not everybody can buy kale every single day. Not everybody can buy a juicer and, you know, juice like a whole bunch of fruits and vegetables. Not everyone can buy only brown rice, for example. You know, I'm just citing examples, but in the sense of it's already creating this, um, what is it, like an economic, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? Uh, I forgot the word. I went blank. But it, it's it's creating this kind of, it's just discriminatory. It is because in- not every- Yeah. And small towns, a lot of your rural areas, I would call them nutritional deserts. Yes. Yes. Because the only place you can grab a bite to eat is at a McDonald's or Burger King. Yeah. Yeah. And especially if like, let's say a, a burger costs, I don't know, 99 cents and a salad costs like five ninety nine. Well, what are you going to go for? <laughs> exactly. Or a so. bottle of water, a bottle of water maybe costs $2 where you can get a big giant Coke at McDonald's for 99 cents. Yeah. How are people going to hydrate? So yeah, there's definitely a lot of discriminatory and socioeconomic issues around the food industry. Yes. Yes. Because everyone should eat healthy. It's the thing. Exactly. And the thing is, it's just, and it's again, a booming industry, especially in the last 10 years with like this whole health and wellness industry, which also goes into like the, it, it's, it's a booming industry and it's just like, oh, it's built also on lies. Don't believe yeah. everything that they're selling you. Like, just don't believe everything. And it also creates conversations around the dinner table, mm. especially if you're getting together. I noticed with all women, I went to, we went to Cheesecake Factory Ooh, I like and that. they got, I love Cheesecake Factory. Oh my God, it's so good. But everyone got excited about the skinny menu. Oh, okay. There's a skinny menu at Cheesecake Factory. And then everyone got excited about, I got the key lime cheesecake. Is key lime pie my favorite dessert? Mm. Someone goes, hey, that's great because that's low carb. 
I didn't order cheesecake because it was low carb. <laughs> I just ordered cheesecake because I love cheesecake, damn it. Like, <laughs> so why are we having a size you up conversation yes. around a meal at the cheesecake factory of all places? I just, I just, I, I already, I find that all of it, I, I'm the kind of person, if you want to eat, just eat whatever you want to eat because your body is asking for it. Just eat it. Don't, don't say, no, I'm not going to eat it because I ate too many calories. Oh my goodness. Like I'm anti-diet culture. I mean, I'm just so anti-diet at this point because diets don't work. They're proven not to work. There's always a new fad diet. Um, but I, I hate when it, it could be either from family members or it could be from complete strangers where you order whatever you order. And it's like, they make the comment of, do you, do you think that you should be eating this? And you're just like, yeah, excuse- I'm it. yeah, I do believe I should eat it. I want to eat it. Don't you think that you should like cut down on carbs? It's none of your business what I should cut down on. Absolutely not. Yeah. Like what? I don't understand how people are just they're throwing their opinions at you while you're trying to eat your meal and enjoy it. And then a complete random stranger can make the comment of, do you really, do you think you should be eating carbs? Or even Um, throwing looks. There's a way that some women will throw looks at each other for what they eat. Like silently throwing shade about it. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Silently judging. And it's just like, oh my goodness. Like I'm going to eat the cheesecake. I'm going to eat the Buffalo wings. And if I want, I want like my, my side of fries with cheese and bacon on it, whatever I want to eat, I'm going to eat, you know, it's my body, my rules. Exactly. And just people, I find that people are more brazen now and they just come out with, you know, just totally giving their opinions. Like, I'm sorry, you're unsolicited. I did not ask for your advice. It's unsolicited. Yeah. Mind your business, mind what's in your dinner plate, not what's on mine. Unsolicited opinions just need to go away completely. I'm telling you, (laughs) I don't know. I just, people are so brazen. My mom taught me something that her mom taught her, which is you roll your tongue seven times in your mouth before you speak, basically think before you speak. And I've noticed that people just speak before they think. Exactly. And it's just like, did your, did your mother not teach you to, to think before you speak? <laughs> it's not always about getting your point across that that's something also the culture that we've created is giving unsolicited opinions about what women eat, what women wear, who they date. Why can't you just let people be happy with themselves? I, I, it's, it's as if it's the most difficult thing to do. I mean, I understand in Mediterranean countries, it's just out there, you know, there's not even a point in arguing with people. I just accept it because that's how Mediterranean culture is. People just, it's, it's, they always offer their advice or unsolicited advice because that's how the culture is, you know, but you're just the, and there's no point in battling it because they're not going to change their ways. Yeah. So I just, I'm just like, pick your battles, but most battles here, especially in Cyprus where I am. And, you know, I, I don't even fight anymore. I'm just like, yeah, well, you said it like comments like that just go over my head. And I'm just like, I can't be bothered with that. <laughs> yeah, it's yeah. I just kind of have to let for me. I know if like unsolicited opinions, I just have to just not let them bug me. Yeah. Going to go about my way. It's then, like in, it's one in one ear out the other ear. At exactly. This point. So and I can't myself with people that are going to encourage me and build me up instead of 
people that make me feel like I'm on a judgment panel. panel. Yeah. 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 Well, something I've noticed, we talk about body image. I got my recent magazine from Victoria's Secret and I noticed they're using more diverse models and not just in body shape, but in race, they're using older models. Do you think this is something that's going to last? Do you think that's going to continue to be a trend or do you think they're just going to do it now to appease the complaints that they're getting and go back to their ways and not just Victoria's Secret, but Gap and all the other companies and Nike and things like this. I think that, uh, the fashion industry, uh, as a whole always dictated what's in style, but not only in clothes wise, but also in people wise, like, you know, it was always like the one size fits all. You had to be a certain size zero, or you had to be, I don't know, an Amazonian supermodel to wear their clothes, but they dictated and it put such pressure on people. And I think with social media, and this is the good thing about social media is that people are fighting back against that. And they're showing, yeah, I love, they're showing their curves. They're like, listen, I have my cellulite. I have my hip dips. I have this. So the public is demanding this from the fashion industry because we're just like, listen, we want equal representation. We're tired of seeing just the one size fits all. The human race is diverse and you need to cater to every single body, every single race, whatever it is, whatever it is, you need to cater. You can't just be catering to one one percent. Let's I'm just saying I'm throwing a percentage out there. It's not one percent. It's a little bit, but literally you have to diversify. So I think as long as, as the public, the consumer is screaming for it, they're going to keep, you know, um, pumping it out because we want to see the older models or the older, you know, we want to see the older generation being represented. We want to see the different body types represented and the different races represented because that's what it is. That is what it is. And how is this going to look on me? Yeah. And at least, you know, but now you know what it looks on because you have someone who, who's there, who's actually wearing the, the Victoria's secret, you know, uh, outfits, not outfit, but like, you know, uh, lingerie, for example. And, you know, okay. Like, look, I see someone who has a similar body type to me and I can see it on me, you know, before even trying it on, because there's someone that's representing not the exact same body type maybe, but close enough where I'm just like, okay, okay. At least I know that they're making something to cater to me too. And not to somebody who's a size zero. Exactly. I, and I remember seeing, like we watched the Victoria's Secret fashion show. And I remember hearing about the diet that they're all on. They can't have a larger than a B cup. Oh God. (laughs) How is it possible? Like, I don't, again, it's the thing of like, you know, breasts, breasts come in all sizes and shapes. So how can it just be like, so you're going to be um, running a fashion show with just B cup models. Well, what about the A cups and the C cups and the double D's? And I don't know what, you know, they make up the majority of the population. Not everybody has a B cup. Right. And it's It's like, okay, if, how is a bra going to hold up when people buy a bra it's for support? Yeah. Yeah. Can't just support a B cup. It's, it's, I, uh, wow. I mean, how are you going to fit, let's say a C or a D or an E cup into a B cup? I mean, everything's overflowing. There's, I mean, there's no way that it's going to fit and it makes you feel bad about yourself because then you're just like, my breasts aren't fitting into a B cup. That means there's something wrong with me. 
that means that I have to change. That means that, you know, I need to do something about it when it's the other way around the fashion, the the company needs to do something about it. not you. Yeah. And the reason I said Victoria's Secret, because I used to work for them and I remember, you know, some girls would, you know, they come in developed and we're measuring them for a bra. And there were mothers who would interfere and be like, oh, she, she's not a C cup. She's not a D cup. They would freak out. Wow. Over the fact that their daughter's bodies were developing. And I can only imagine what kind of complex that's going to create within their heads. Yeah. Yeah. About their own bodies. And they're going to become, and a lot of times puberty is the time where a lot of women see their bodies as their own enemy. Yeah. Yeah. That's because we're, we're, we're taught to see it in such a way, you know, I mean, you have growth spurts. So sometimes you get stretch marks because of those growth spurts. It happens, you know, that during puberty, your body is going through so many changes and it's already difficult. It's not only the physical changes, but it's also the emotional and mental changes you're going through at that age. There's just so much and having that kind of negativity thrown at you about your body it makes it 10 times worse. And I find that our generation feel like, you know, we're like so different from everyone, but in the sense of there wasn't that conversation around it back in the day, 20, uh, yeah, 20 something years ago when we were teenagers, for example. Yeah. It's one of those things where there wasn't a conversation about it. You just accepted it. So you couldn't have a conversation about, oh, well, I have a stretch mark or I'm getting stretch marks because I'm growing in certain places on my body. But it was so taboo to talk about it, but you felt so bad because you didn't see, again, the representation within the fashion industry of someone who has stretch marks or you wouldn't talk about it because or people, I don't know. It's like I never saw anybody's stretch marks growing up and I always thought that there was something wrong with me. And now I'm thinking it's not possible that I'm the only one who had stretch marks. Do you know what I mean? And I feel like people did everything and anything they could to hide their stretch marks or anything that they were going through because it was just so taboo to talk about it. It's so taboo. I remember getting zits on my back Mm -mm -mm. in high school and I would see it. And then I'm like, oh my gosh, why, why is it coming on my back? It's bad enough. I have to do skincare on my face. I remember seeing that and I was like, what, what, how is this possible? Yeah. And it's more common than you think, but it's just people, but just, it's just one of those things that people didn't show it. So you didn't know that others had it too. Because nobody wants to talk about it. They only want to talk about just the obvious, obvious flaws. Maybe perfect skin. No way that you can have like a zit or a pimple or acne. No, no. You have to have like porcelain, perfect skin. And it's like, Come on now. <laughs> yes. It's having the porcelain skin and then putting on the makeup. And then I remember in middle school, a lot of girls started saying, Oh, I'm so fat. I'm so fat. They were not fat at all, but it was trendy to talk about feeling fat. Yeah. That was a conversation to have. And something that I do appreciate about social media is social media kind of opened the door to say, Hey, this is a bra for a plus size woman. This is a bra to fit an a cup or this is, these are leggings that are comfortable and fit everybody. Mm -hmm. And you're seeing more fitness models who don't have 
the six packs, mm-hmm. the bubble butts, the skinny legs, you're seeing more than it's kind of, as you said earlier, it's putting pressure on some of these larger companies mm-hmm. that got used to making the rules yeah. to cater to the population and exactly. sell to the population. Exactly. And then, then I look at social media and I see a lot of photo editing. Mm. You see a lot of people who become influencers. I actually have friends who have become social media influencers and have made great money doing that. But now the perfect photo comes into play. They have to have the perfect photo. They have to be wearing the perfect outfit and it has to look a certain way before they dare post it on their social media. Yep. Yep. Yes. Do you think that's going to be a new demon or do you think social media has the opportunity to speak louder for the voices of all women to be more inclusive? I think... And I, I see it with like my niece, she's like 21 years old. So she's that impression. She's not a teenager, but she's just right out of, you know, uh, that puberty stage kind of thing. She's 21 years old and she's so impressionable. And she looks, she's scrolling through social media and she's just like, why can't I have that body? Why can't I have, you know, this stomach? Why can't I have those legs? And I'm like, you do realize that your body type is completely different to this person on social media. And you don't know what filters they're using, how many times um, they've taken that photo, what positions they're putting their body in order to, you know, they're manipulating their body in certain positions to look a certain way. You don't know what's happening. You're just seeing the end product. You don't know what's going on beforehand because it's not one picture they take. They take 20, 30, 40, 50 pictures and they pick out of that and they start manipulating it. And I'm not saying that about all social media accounts. But the majority are like this, you know, and it's like, you don't know what's going on. And you, people don't show the real them on social media. I feel like, again, it's like the masters of illusion. And we're able to pick and choose what we want to show people. So we're not going to show, let's say, the boring, mundane routine every single day, waking up at five o'clock, making coffee, sitting in front of the computer and starting to work. I'm going to show you the picture of the cheesecake I ate. For example, I'm going to show you the boat trip I took, but that's not happening on a daily basis. That's once in a while, but they're not going to show you that. So it makes it seem like it's on an everyday basis to be put together. I'm not saying that people don't put themselves together every single day, but we're not going to be wearing the the Vuitton, like Louis Vuitton, like kind of, you know, clothes every single day. Are you saying that you're sleeping in your Vuitton? (laughs) You know what I mean? Or do you have flannel pajamas? Because for sure you got those flannel pajamas. Like you cannot be sleeping in this bathrobe that costs like $5,000. You know what I mean? And I feel like I wish there were more influencers that would show what it is. And we do, we are seeing this trend, you know, actually in influencers, like for example, where they're showing the, um, this is the posed look and this is me not posing, you know, so they, they show the pose look where it's like a flat stomach, perfect legs. And then they show the unposed look where they're showing their cellulites, you know, and their, their belly. And you're just like, okay, this is a trend. We need to be seeing more of this, but I want to be seeing more of the unposed look. I don't want you to be sucking in your stomach, holding your breath, you know, and posing and putting your back in a certain way for you to, to get 
that image. I want to see more of the real and the raw. And this is what I have to constantly tell my niece. You don't know what they're dealing with. You don't know their life. You don't know what they're just showing you what they want to show you. So I think for, I think, I think there's a, a healthy mix. I think it's like 50, 50 on social media, for example, where they, they are those accounts, you know, that show the real and the raw. And then you have the other accounts that just show the complete fake, you know, lifestyle of I'm boarding a private plane right now. Are you though? Are you, or are you just posing in front of it? How much did you spend? Are you sure that's your lifestyle? You know, are you sure you're posing in front of your Bugatti? Cause I want to see, are, is that really your Bugatti? Or is it that one that you found in the street and you decided to pose in front of it? The thing is that social media is just smoke and mirrors. I was, and, just, I was just thinking, I would love to see the travel bloggers post about flight okay. delays, sleeping in the airport. Yes. Yes. Travel a lot. Absolutely. We've all done it. I want you, I, I, you cannot Being tell angry. me that the, plan land, the plane landed and you look so put together because when my plane lands after, I don't know, a, a five, six, 10 hour delay, I'm not going to look like they do. I'm going to have the mess, uh, messy hair. I'm going to look like a swamp monster, to be honest. Already when I travel, I do not look my best. I'm in my sweats. <laughs> I'm not I'm dressed so to the cool. nine. <laughs> you know, I look, I have bags under my eyes. I look like a right mess. And I just want to get to the hotel and rest for a bit. And that's, that's what we want to see. Cause those travel bloggers, sometimes they just show the perfect picture. And I'm like, that's not possible. That's not possible. This is me walking on the beach in a full flowy dress, you know, holding my, my significant other's hand as they're taking a picture yeah. um, of me. And it's like, mm, no, I want to see the real. I want, I want to see, see, see myself in a bikini with my hair all sopping wet because I was swimming in the ocean. I just, I just, I, I just think that I think you, you have to kind of sift through social media. And I think with social media, any account that makes you feel bad in any way, shape or form about your life, I, I'm the first one to say unfollow, unfollow, um, unfollow them because they're feeding you they're feeding you a, not a dream, but they're feeding you, they're feeding you lies. It's no different. I see social media as like a, a movie. Depends what kind of movie. It could be a romantic movie or a comedy, whatever. I just see it as that. It's, it's selling you lies. It's selling you an illusion. And it's like, if it makes you feel bad or if it makes you feel like you're missing out on something, unfollow immediately. I think there, there has to be like, a, you have to sift through accounts you know, and, and really you can find, you know, those influencers that are real and raw. It's not all influencers that are all fake and stuff. I'm not saying that, of course not, but I'm saying you, you can find um, an amazing like-minded community out there, but you just have to like scroll through it, you know. We've come to the end of part one of this two-parter, so tune in next Friday. I hope you enjoyed part one, and of course, you will hear from me, like I said in the beginning, very, very soon. Bye!